0: apologize for coming in uh <laughs> looking like I just went through some kind of wild something <laughs> I had came straight home from decorating for an event at another church and as soon as I got home I just felt the Lord tugging so I went in and um, been working on this study to share with you guys tonight um and i couldn 't get away from the Lord, and I did all the way up, and I saw it was seven o 'clock when I should have been at church so i said i 'm coming, Brother Johnson, <laughs> so at least i 'm here, and I know that the Lord has given me a word to encourage us tonight, not only to encourage you but to equip us and to help us to know that we have power over the enemy um one thing I've been studying lately is spiritual warfare. And this day, we got to know how to fight against the enemy. And Sister Butler, I want to apologize in advance. I hope that the story I share tonight doesn't upset you too much. But um, And I have lots of pages of notes, so I'm going to get started. And I really do pray that this Bible study tonight really teaches. I know it's going to because the Lord gave it to me. And I've used it, and it has blessed me. These words over the, the last several years of my life, God has spoken into my life a few times. He's given me these three words um, for a church before when he sent me there to minister. And uh, I still hold on to these three things. And I've even shared it here before, so I don't know if you remember it or not. But remain faithful. And to always trust him. He says, trust me, Laura, trust me. So I'm telling you tonight, trust the Lord. And then the third thing is patiently endure. We've got to endure everything, everything. I know when I first came to the Lord, I thought that it was all going to be a bed of roses. If you look and you read the word of God, his disciples went through things. Nothing was easy. And if you pray, Lord, I want to be like you. Look at Jesus' life. His life was not easy. So when you come and you give your life and you surrender your life over to God, and then uh, trouble comes, tribulation comes, the trying of our faith, and we exercise our faith muscles, that comes to us because, number one, we do have to have our faith tried. And I'm thankful that I've been through things to let my faith muscle grow. I'm glad that my faith in the Lord has grown. So, tonight, um, if you want to turn to Ephesians, we're going to start Ephesians chapter 6. Um, I ran off and left. Man, what kind of person am I? Ran off and leave my Bible up there on the table. And, um, but I want to go to, and my books here in this Bible isn't set the same as it should be. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from verse 12 real quick, and you can stay seated because we're doing Bible study style tonight. 6 and 12, and it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So I'm going to share one of my darkest times with you, and I'm sharing it for a reason, So, um, again, Sister Butler, I don't want to upset you, but I know the Lord wants me to share this story. July the 12th, 2017 was a sunny summer morning. Yes, he's still breathing, and I whispered, Thank you, Jesus, as I rolled over and placed my hand on his back. I jumped out of the bed, and I ran around the, the room to Chris. Today is the day, I thought. I have the room ready for you. You have a room with the best medical supplies. I finished the decorating and organizing. It was just the way you like it. And I ended late that night when I completed it. I was very proud of the the outcome, and I know you will be too. So let's take your meds, and I'll move you. He hesitated and asked for just a few more minutes. So I'll go out back and I'll stop Zoe from trying to eat our neighbor's pig. When I come back, we will get started, I said, feeling positive and upbeat and blessed. Just how God is taking care of everything for us, I thought. That being jumped on and licked by this big, great Pyrenees, it didn't even bother me one bit. So after being distracted, I go back in, and I clean back up, and I measure out all of his meds. I prepared him some food, and I take it to him, just so excited because I just know he was going to do so much better in that other room. And it would be just a matter of time before he was back with his students and on those drums. I set him up. He wasn't feeling very well at all, and I'm no nurse but he seemed very weak and sleepy he kept saying stay stay so I sat and I gave him more time and started telling him how much better he was going to be in the other room there's better oxygen machines in there medical bed the supplies and the room is organized perfectly like you like he wasn't wanting his meds that morning my cheerful thankful mood was quickly gone I became upset worried and very frustrated Chris you have to get in here and it's best for you I stated or I possibly nagged Chris you can't miss your meds so to please me he took his meds in his hands but dropped them in the floor because he was too weak to make it to his mouth he didn't want me to help him I acted as though it was no big deal. I helped him with the next dose. We sat beside each other on the bed as I was telling him about Zoe and the neighbor's pig. He expressed his concern about me lifting him, and I said, Honey, have you seen these guns? I lifted my hands and flexed my muscles. We both smiled. Finally, he agreed, but first needed assistance to the men's room, which was a chair beside the bed. I put my arms under his to lift him, and as I was taught by the nurse, and I counted. When I picked him up, he completely collapsed on me. At this moment, he went lifeless. He wasn't breathing, and I struggled to get him back to the bed. I kept yelling at him to open his eyes, and screaming, Jesus. I called 911 and gave my address and my name, and I told her he was not breathing, and there was no pulse. I left the phone on the bed, and I told God, we have come too far for me to lose him like this. Please bring him back. I didn't get to say goodbye. God, I know you can give him back to me. I began screaming, Jesus, Jesus, because I know there's power in that name. I've been taught how much power is in the name of Jesus. He took a deep breath. And at that time, his hospice nurse came in my house. And my house was full of police officers, medics, firemen, and nurses. All of which was his friends. They were telling me about DNRs. And it's just a matter of time. And lots of things to be ready and prepared for. But still, even then, and after all that I had witnessed and felt... I would say, God can still heal him. I refused to hear the report. So for the next three days, I wouldn't leave him. I prayed hard. I claimed his healing. I laid my hands on him. I placed the word of God on him. I kept the Magruder's playing nonstop because he loved to hear them sing. Come July, the morning of July the 16th, 2017, the sun again was shining through the window. It was a beautiful Sunday morning. I jumped up out of the chair next to the bed and I placed my hands on his chest and a sigh of relief came over me. He was still breathing. He was still with us. This was day four. We beat the odds again. They gave him three days, the doctor said. God is surely healing him, I thought. I looked over to my mother-in-law and I told her I needed to step out just for a moment. Told Chris I would be right back that I loved him. I was standing in the kitchen stirring my coffee in a hurry to get back into the room. While I could still see him at the, the counter where I was, there was a crack in the doorway. I could see him laying there, and all of a sudden I felt this peace come over me. Even though the room was quiet, it seemed to get even quieter. The room became brighter than I remember it being before. I felt a shift in the atmosphere that I can't describe to you to this very day. I froze. I didn't speak a word to one person. I didn't even speak a word to my mother-in-law who was in the room with him still. But I would walk in, lay my coffee on the floor. I stood there looking down on him And I placed my hands on his chest, touching his hands. I whispered in his ear, sweetheart, I'm back, and I love you so much. Then I heard him take a deep breath, and he was gone. I remember waiting and waiting, which seemed like a lifetime, for him to take another breath. But it never came. I felt my world come crashing down. That peace was gone. I felt like half of my body was literally ripped away. For a moment, it didn't matter who was in the home. It didn't matter who was around me. I went numb after this. I don't remember a whole lot after that. The weeks, the months, and it all ran together. I was a zombie. I called it my zombie mode. Then came the enemy. God doesn't care about you. Look, after seven years of fighting cancer and praying, he still died. You aren't good enough spiritually. Your prayers aren't powerful enough. You couldn't even save your own husband. It's your fault he died. You shouldn't have moved him. You need to resign as youth pastor because you don't deserve to be in ministry. Your faith is weak. You got nowhere. The adversary is a master at lying. He uses certain mental strategies and fiery darts against our minds. Excuse me. Satan and his workers always attempt to make them appear stronger than what they are. More important than what they are. Even more scary than what they really are. Their main goal is to intimidate you and I. They will cause several thoughts to enter into our minds that are nothing more than what I call a spiritual bluff. The enemy likes to bluff us. And I'm here to tell you or to teach you tonight that I'm not just preaching or teaching a word, but I have lived through what I'm sharing with you. I can tell you that the word of God is powerful, that prayer really does work. These continual hits of negative thoughts against your mind, they'll never stop. This is a very true, and especially when you're on the verge of a spiritual breakthrough. You're either on a spiritual breakthrough or a breakdown. So either way, you need the Lord in your life. And so here, the enemy sees a weak moment, and he's going to target that immediately. So also, he sees this during times of transition. As well, the enemy will torment you through your thoughts and emotions. I hate when emotions get the best of me sometimes. And I know you feel the same way too. So, to get you to believe whatever he can to distract, discourage, or intimidate you. This is so he can try to trick you into thinking that what God is doing is not from God, it is not good, and it will cause more difficulty or is impossible for you to even overcome what you're facing. And what seems impossible with man is possible with God. When you realize these thoughts are causing confusion, they cause fear, they cause anxiety, they are not of God. When you are experiencing these emotions, you can assure yourself that the enemy is trying to distract you, discourage you, and to pull you away from what God is about to do in your life. Because it's Satan. John chapter 8 verse 44, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. We cannot sit and entertain thoughts that aren't true. Because when you do this, guess what? You're entertaining Satan himself. I'm going to pause right here for a second. Any thought that is not of God, impure thought, a negative thought a fearful thought, an untrue thought about a brother and sister. When you sit and you dwell on those thoughts, you're entertaining Satan. You're just welcoming him in and you're sitting there entertaining him. So, I want to do this. I want to address three lies tonight, okay? Three lies that the enemy uses that will expose the truth that we can be able to disarm misunderstandings caused by the lack of knowledge, we must know our enemy in order to defeat him. You know when, and I've said this before too, when we go to war, you're going to learn about your enemy. I remember in school when I played basketball, I would watch my opponent. I would see how they move. You would watch their plays. When you learn their plays, you can stop them from getting and shooting and making a goal. So we have to know our enemy. You have to know what he does, the way he moves in your life. I know now when I have a negative thought about somebody, I'm going to rebuke it in Jesus' name. And if it continues to come, I'm going to go to that person and say, hey, I feel this way. So I've came to some of you before. Hey, I'm sorry if I've done this or said this. Are you mad at me? (laughs) I've done that because I'm addressing it head on. Because I'm not going to give the enemy room to play and to manipulate my mind anymore. So the first lie, the enemy makes people think that he is present everywhere. He wants to be omnipresent. And that's what he wants you to think. John 4.24 says, God is spirit and these that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hope I'm not going too fast. I'm just excited. I'm still feeling what I was feeling in prayer. So I'll try to slow down if I am. But all who claim to have a relationship with God knows that He is a spirit and that He is omnipresent, which means that He can be everywhere at once. This divine ability makes God different from all other forms of creation. Now, while angels are also a spirit, That they are only present one place at one time. And they must travel from place to place. Now this is the way I think. This isn't biblical what I'm about to tell you. So perhaps at a speed of thought. Okay? That's what I'm thinking an angel will do. But Satan is created being in the form of an anointed cherub. Ezekiel 28 verses 14 and 15. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. So he is not and he cannot be present all places at once. So... He doesn't have that power, but he has helpers. They are called principality, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You never hear people say, well, I'm fighting Satan. Satan is tempting me today, or I'm under, under attack. Satan is working hard on us today. I don't know about you, but I've heard it before. I've had a friend over here, a family member in a different town, That would say, hey, Satan, you know, I've been tempted today or I've had a bad day. The enemy's working on me. He can't be at my friend's house and he can't be at my family's house at the same time. But he has helpers. And the reason that we think that Satan is all present is from the conversations like the one I described to you today. We're thinking, man, he's all over the place today. But he's not. He's also identified as a serpent of old called the devil. In Revelation 12 and 9, he is only present one location at one time. The Hebrew name of Satan is Satan. It means adversary. I want you to listen to me really close on this part, okay? This is not just Satan himself, but anyone, anyone who works adversely against The righteous. So when someone disobeys the Lord, the Bible reveals that God raised up an adversary against Solomon. Those adversaries were men who rose up against King Solomon during his reign. So Hebrew word for adversary is also Satan. The Hebrew word for Satan is used two ways. Meaning both Satan, the fallen angel, and adversary to a specific person. So Satan and the ungodly are both opponents of the righteous and therefore are adversaries to godliness and righteousness. I, do, I don't ever want to be one of Satan's helpers. I don't ever want to be someone's adversary. I don't want to work for him. I don't want to be used by him. So, the adversary can be both invisible spiritual enemy and a fleshly human enemy. We must not accept that Satan himself is all present. And this is a lie that he would love for you to accept because you are believing that he could have been more powerful than what he really is. Only God is present everywhere. And Satan can't be. Only God is that powerful. If you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. You have the power of the living God inside of you. You are stronger than the enemy. And that's one thing I want to drill into you tonight. You are more powerful than the enemy. Every single one of you sitting in here tonight. You are more powerful than the enemy. I don't care if you have to get up every morning and look yourself in the mirror. You are more powerful than the enemy. Say it to yourself. I know the more I hear something, the more I believe it. Is Brother Casey, he ain't even here and I want to pick on him. Is Brother Casey, there you are. See, I need to get my glasses checked. You know, he always jokes about me needing to be focused. So I hear myself sometimes during the day, Laura, get focused. But <laughs> he jokes and tells me, are you focused? So every day I'm like, Laura, you need to get focused. So when we hear something every day, we are, we are alert to that. We, we know we have to be something. So every day when you get up. If you question your prayers, if you question your walk with God, remind yourself who you are. You are a child of God. If you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, you spoke in other tongues as evidence, then you have the power of God. He is living inside of you. You have that power. So you are more powerful. He is under your feet. When you grasp a hold of that concept... You say that prayer. You rebuke the enemy and you hold on to God's promises and you believe and he's going to do something because God never leaves you. He is right there with you defeating any form of darkness that tries to overtake you. If we will realize this and not allow the enemy to cause us to believe that he is stronger than us, then nothing can keep you from God and what he has for you. Nothing. No man on this earth And no spiritual evil being can keep you from the love of God and what he has for you. Not even your darkest hour. So you could be thinking about your darkest time. Or the time that you messed up the most. Not even your failures that you've repented of can keep you from God. Lie number two. He wants to make you believe that he is all-knowing. Omniscient. We call God omniscient meaning he is all-knowing. He means That he knows all past, present, and future events. God dwells outside of the human limitations of times, out of seasons. And he dwells in the the realm of eternity of timelessness. What seems like a lifetime to us is nothing to God. There's no time. He's not, oh, it's 7.53, I better be getting ready for bed right now. That's not how God works. The adversary desires to be like God. Isaiah 14 and 14 says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Since God is all-knowing, the enemy makes attempt to make a person believe, or even during warfare, that he knows all about him. He knows their situation. He knows the plans and how to prevent any form of victory or success coming from the battle. He wants you to believe that he knows what's going on in your life and that he can stop the victory from coming. He wants you to believe that he knows every bit of it. This is how I see it, okay? This is how I see the enemy. He only can use against you what you give to him. So he's like a robber. He's a thief. He's a liar. So say in the middle of the night he comes into your house and pulls out a gun. you pull out a gun to protect yourself. He can't come against you or hurt you unless you give him the ammunition. If you just hand him the gun over. When you give in to fear, you're putting the gun in the enemy's hands. When you give in to being uh, in doubt and not believing in the word of God, not believing the Holy Ghost is real or for you, or not believing that God can heal you or deliver you, and you're giving in to oppression, depression, you're giving in to all of that, you're taking your weapon... And you're putting it into the enemy's hands. And when you put it into the enemy's hands, what is the enemy going to do? He's going to use it against you. He's going to attack you. So you have the power over the enemy. But when you give that power to him, he uses it against you. So you need to stand up and realize, again, who you are in God. Take that authority and speak it. Satan, get thee behind me, Satan. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Guess what he has to do? Even me saying it right then, he had to get behind me. Satan, you're under my feet. He's under my feet. He can't harm me. He can't have my baby. He can't have my job because he's under my feet. Every single day on my way to work. You want to know what I pray every single day? Lord Jesus, I give you this day. I place it in your hands. I rebuke every negative word, every curse spoken against me, my family, my relationships, my finances, my career, my ministry. God, I claim the victory over my life, over, my, over Dawson's life, and over my family's life in the name of Jesus. I claim the victory. I rebuke every negative word because sometimes we give the enemy by speaking negative things. I get so mad at a co-worker, but not in a mean way, kind of in a loving way. And when she says, I can't do that, I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, you can. Yes, you will. That's what I say because she can. I say, fake it until you make it. You know, just put the smile on there and pretend like you're professional. (laughs) None of us are in the office. But anyways, so we have to take control and know who we are and use the power that God has given us. Where am I at? So I've been there. You just heard about one of the most darkest places in in my life. It was hard. And it hurts me to see other people grieving. It hurts me to see other people suffer great loss. And when they do... Where I work at now, I see individuals every day. They're homeless. They're addicted to drugs or pain pills and alcohol. They're addicted to these things. I don't look down on them. Because... I'm not kidding you. There's not one story that has not started out the same. They lost a parent, or they lost a child, or they lost a spouse. Every single one of their stories that's set in front of me on the other side of the desk so far, so far, their addiction has started out with started drinking. My last person, this poor man, lost his um, spouse to a divorce. That's a loss. Lost to a divorce. And lost a parent within months apart. And he lost control to drinking. And now he drinks every bit of money he has every day. And he's homeless. He sleeps in an abandoned building. He hasn't showered in months. He can't remember the last time he had access to take a bath. And he had a great life. He told me about the life he had. But it all started with grief and loss in a dark hour. And they don't know the Lord. And it breaks my heart. I don't look down on them. They need Jesus. They need love. They need help. And I'm telling you today that we have something that so many people out there aren't even aware of. They don't realize the power that they can possess with of them of God that can speak over their life. It can save them from being on the streets. That can break that addiction. That can give them love and a hope that can set them free. So I'm thankful today that I know that the power that's within me. Can overcome the lies of the enemy. So. But the real issues is. When the person begins to believe. That the enemy knows all things. That fear may cause you to hesitate. To make any positive move. Because of your fear. That the enemy would block his actions. Before they ever begin. The enemy cannot block. God's plan for your life. If we. Go back to the birth of Jesus. After the shepherds and the wise men worshiped the future king of, at Bethlehem, Harold sent a hit squad of Roman assassins to slay all male infants under two years of age. Okay? You can read that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Harold had no clue, neither did the soldiers, which child was the true king, right? Okay. Joseph was warned to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt to spare Jesus' life. So, if Satan was so full of knowledge, if he was so powerful, he would have known the travel plans of Jesus. He wouldn't have had to order to have every male child under the age of two years old killed because he would have known which one was Jesus if he was all-powerful. And Jesus would have died young. So even in Scripture, it proves to us The enemy is not wise. And another great point to make is if Satan would have known that the final and ultimate defeat, he would not have went through and endured the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus because he lost. He lost when that happened. So why would he allow the crucifixion to occur and not prevent it? Early in Jesus' ministry, he revealed that he would suffer. Be killed and be raised on the third day when Simon Peter heard Jesus say this, he immediately rebuked Jesus, resisting the idea that this could ever happen. And so what did Jesus do to Simon Peter? This is what he did. Jesus rebuked Peter by saying, get behind me, Satan. You are offense to me. You are not mindful to the things of God. The word offense in Greek in that scripture is scandalous. I believe. I can't, Brother Johnson, I can't pronounce Greek. But it indicates that the bait on a trap to entice an animal to fall into a snare. So Satan was using Peter, a man, a person, to set some form of a trap for Jesus that would confuse Peter concerning Jesus' future. So there, a man was used as an adversary. But just prior to the crucifixion, Jesus interceded intense prayer and in the garden praying. And I just read this until his sweat became drops of blood. So this intense inner struggle was enhanced by the fact that the prince of this world, Satan, was somewhere present, but had no part with the suffering. Because Jesus said this, the ruler of this world is coming and he is nothing in me the prince of this world is also the prince of the power of the air the bible shows that satan is the leader of this world were unaware of jesus death and resurrection would initiate because if they knew what it would initiate they would have stopped it 1 corinthians chapter 2 verses 7 through 8 this is what the word of god says but we speak the wisdom of god in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which one of the rulers of this age know for had they not known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So it says it right there in the word of God. If the adversary known his defeat was in the nail-scarred hands of the suffering Messiah, he would have stopped the entire thing. He would have stopped the the crucifixion And Satan doesn't have all knowledge. The enemy does not know the plans that God has for you. He does not have all knowledge of your life. So when he begins to lie and say that you will not make it, you will fail, you are not good enough, the enemy is scared of what you will become in Jesus. Satan knows if he can get you to believe a lie and stop the will of God for your life, then he can stop the blessings of God in your life. So use the power in you to rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. Remind the enemy of God's promises over your life. One of my favorite verses, and yes, I'm going to quote it. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So we have to, one of my words, trust the Lord. No matter what circumstance, trust the Lord. Here's the third lie. Make you think that he is all-powerful. Omni... Okay. Brother Johnson, I have a hard time pronouncing this word. Can you say it for me? All-powerful. Omnipotent. There we go. I knew it would come to me. Omnipotent. So, in Genesis 1 and 2, we witness this. When God is introduced as a creator of universe, earth, and all living things... And then in the book of Psalms, it is full of beautiful songs and poems describing the greatness of God's unlimited power. So the Word of God is full of this. God's greatest power is found in His spoken Word, in the Word of God. The enemy wants us to believe that his power is equal to God's. It is not, of course. If we are deceived into believing this lie, this bluff from the enemy, then all of our prayers... The rebuking of the enemy is just for feels. It has no impact. If Satan was equal to God, then he would have never had to ask permission to test Job. You can say God has Satan on a leash, limiting him to what he can and can't do. Luke 10 and 19. Let's go to Luke 10 Okay, we're going to go to chapter 10 and verse 19. And it reads, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. The first part of that verse just says everything that that I have shared with you tonight. I have given you, this is in red letters, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush, crush them. Nothing will injure you. So, Jesus promised spiritual authority. In the book of Acts, the apostles rebuked the evil spirits and they departed from those that were afflicted. If we submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then you can look and let's go to James chapter... I know I'm reading a lot of scripture. James chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, So humble yourselves before God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now let's go down to 1 Peter. We're going to go to chapter 5 and I'm going to read verse 9 to you. And it says, um, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. So in this verse it tells that we need to be steadfast in our faith. It's obvious in scripture that the enemy is not all powerful. You can easily believe the enemy is stronger if you follow or if you focus on your problem and not on who God is. And I'm ta- I'm transparent. I have fallen into the position in my life before where I focused on the storm and on my problem and on the lack of what I had in my life more than I focused on God. I've been there. I've done that. But we need to submit to God and not to our problems. And I'm getting ready to close, Sister Renelle. Satan isn't wise, but he is skilled in what he does because he's been doing it for a long, long time, a very long time. But that means nothing. I always say that you can have more degrees than a thermometer. But without the anointing and without the power of God, it means absolutely nothing. What well, you have to say to me and show me, it means nothing if you don't have the power of God and the anointing on your life. The Bible is your weapon, it's your sword. So we need to rebuke the spirit of deception, we need to rebuke the spirit of doubt. We need to rebuke the spirit of depression, oppression, addiction, and fears. We need to rebuke that and take authority over those things in anyone's life and our own lives. And we need to start claiming the promises of God over our lives and those who we come in contact with. I've always been told about others' blood being on our hands. That's scary. So anybody I come in contact with, anybody I work with, family members I I want to make sure that they know the word of God even more so with a situation that I've been in uh, with a family member who passed away I think I've shared this before I, I just shared with, I just shared with you what I had witnessed with Chris going to be with the Lord I know there was angels in my home I know what I was feeling was heaven it was heaven where I felt and then when I went to pray at three of a family member and when I saw that day fear in her eyes and she said "Lord, I don't want to go to heaven it's scary I know what she was seeing was not heaven and I know that there's a heaven and I know that there's a hell and both of them are real and I've witnessed someone slip into heaven and I witnessed someone slip into hell I don't think there's a waiting period I really don't because I know what I saw and I know what I heard in both situations And it was peaceful. It was joy. There's words that I felt. I can't even, there's no words to to describe to you what I felt in my home when Chris went to be with the Lord. I know angels came and I know they ushered him, and it was beautiful. It was sad, heartbreaking for me, but it was beautiful what I felt and witnessed. But in the home of a family member when she couldn't hardly talk, she couldn't speak to us she had a thing in her throat and then all of a sudden her eyes got big and just watery and she just kind of sat up and started screaming in fear a fearful scream that was piercing and saying please help help me, help me as she was slipping away to eternity it was terrifying and then I started to remember all the times I tried to share the word of God Or I would share and witness to them all the opportunities that this person had. And all the times I invited them to church. And they not one time came to those doors. You know, I thought, I remember my uncle, her husband passed away before her. And he said, he always called me baby girl. He said, baby girl, if you ever become a preacher. When I first got the Holy Ghost, I was in high school. He said, if you ever become a preacher and you preach, I'm going to be in that house. And I'm going to listen to you. Well, I was like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> so then I remember the first time um, God used me, and I was up here sharing the word. And I'm not going to say his name. But I said, Uncle so-and-so, I said, I'm preaching. I'm preaching my first message. It's going to be on a Wednesday night. Will you come? And he said to me, he goes, baby girl, if I ever walk into the house of God or into a church, the roof will cave in on me. And that was his excuse. And uh, it's heartbreaking. And then even even this week, I'm not God. God is God and I'm not. I am no place to put somewhere where they belong into eternity. But even this weekend, unexpectedly, I got a phone call to come and pray for somebody. And I was nervous. I called Pastor. I said, Pastor, you know, how do I pray? I do believe God can do miracles. Their entire body is eat up with cancer. Entire body. We've been Our church has been praying for her. We've been praying for her every day. And I'm going to say her name because I'm about to tell you what God did. Her name is Renee Northern. and We've been praying for a miracle in her life. And so this Saturday, we was called to go and preach and lay hands on her. And uh, I get over there. And Jeff was with me. And we go there. And I've been, this is extended family of my brother-in-laws, but they all feel like family to me. But they've never been here before. Some of them never experienced Pentecost. There was a Baptist preacher there who found out he didn't really believe in women ministers. (laughs) So I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. I said, God, I just need you to do something. I can't. I'm just me. I can't do nothing. I just need you to do something. So they said, Laura, are you ready to pray? I said, how about we all just join hands in a circle and I want us all to pray together. You guys know when you have the Holy Ghost, you feel, you you sometimes can hear the words in your mind or you feel it coming. I just vomited the Holy Ghost out. And I know that's probably not a good way to describe it, but I didn't feel it coming. I didn't hear the words. I was just praying with my family. That's never, most of them never heard me or seen me in the spirit. And I'm just praying and boom, there it was. It, it shocked me, sisters. I was just like, what's going on? I mean, I didn't do that, but I was praying in the spirit. And then I, I felt God tell me to lay my hand on her chest. So I laid my hand on her chest, and then the power of the Holy Ghost began to move. You can feel God's presence. And that Baptist preacher, Sister Young, he's like, he's he's in his 80s. He was like, woo! He started. It. I was like. I kept on praying. My eye was open. I was looking around, praying. Only goes, oh no, is that biblical? So, he he did it with his shoulders, and then he started bouncing. We're on a back patio that surrounded this double wide that they built themselves. He started jumping and shouting hallelujah, and we thought the porch was going to fall in. So we just kept on praying. And I saw tears coming from our eyes. And I was I was felt the Holy Ghost move. I was done praying in spirit. I thought we were done. But Renee wasn't done. She just kept praying. I saw her lips moving and she just kept praying. She could she was really weak. She couldn't hardly move. I couldn't understand a word she was saying. I don't know. God could have been filling her with the Holy Ghost right then. I couldn't hear the words coming out of her mouth, but she just kept on. She wasn't letting go of my hand. And I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I couldn't let go of her hand. And the family was crying. They were praying. And then Jeff goes, uh, when we were getting ready to be finished, he goes, I want to lay hands on you and pray for a miracle. Now, people ask me all the time, you know, I prayed for a miracle, but God didn't do it. You don't know. The miracle could have been their healing on that side of heaven, that's a miracle that they went to heaven, they got their whole body back. We can't answer for God because we're not God. God is God and we are not, but I can say this, she did pass away at 3 o'clock this morning, but I know what we felt when we were on the porch. I know what God was doing in her life and that's a miracle in itself. It's a miracle in itself what I witnessed in that entire family on that porch last weekend and then I got in the car I looked at Jeff I said you might think I'm crazy Brother Casey can you believe that would come out of my mouth I said you might think I'm crazy but I really feel that when the Holy Ghost just fell out of me like that because that's never happened to me before I was in shock I said I think I felt like God was showing Somebody who was doubting. I felt like there was doubt and he was showing someone that the Holy Ghost is real. So God just took over and that's what I want. I want God to take over. And this is, I get a phone call. Get down the road and my phone rings. It's my sister. Some people, you don't need to put on speakerphone. But I put her on speakerphone. And I said, Nina, you're on speakerphone. So she knows. You better be good. <laughs> and she said, Sis, um, well, She's like, i got to tell you what just happened. I was like, tell me. And she goes, I was in there talking to, I'm not going to name names, just in case they listen tonight. But she goes, that, that preacher man called his son out there. And every time he says, I want to talk to you about so-and-so, he usually tells them to not believe what they say because they're fake. And so when he said, I need to talk to you about that girl, we were like, surely Laura's not fake. So he calls him out there and he goes, What we felt in there was real, son. That girl is real. And I'm not saying that for myself tonight. I'm telling you for this reason. And then that girl, there was a girl there, and she started crying. And he said, I can interpret some what she was saying. She was praying in the spirit because someone was doubting, and they didn't think that what she was what was happening was real. And I just said that to Jeff in the car. Well then. The girl started crying. She goes, I never believed it. I never believed it. So God was not only ministering to someone sick, but he was believing someone in doubt. And that's what the power of God can do. So that's what you have inside of you. It's not about Sister Rennell. It's not about me. It's not about any of y'all. It's all about him. And if we would just allow his power to flow right through us, we don't have to do nothing. Just believe. Rebuke the enemy trust God and endure your darkness and something good is about to happen something good is going to happen so let's stand tonight I I hate the enemy I hate what he does I hate that he has so many people chained and bound I hate the control that people give him I'll put y'all through a bunch of notes tonight but I'm telling you something. I know that the power of God is real. I know his love is real. And I know that if we trust in him and we endure the darkness and we trust him and be patient, there is no telling what he can do in our lives, in our family's lives, in our co-workers' lives. Every single day, I know that their blood is going to be on my hands. So I want God to do whatever he can. So I want to encourage you tonight, you can pray where you are, you come to the altar. But if you are bound tonight, if you are bound to addiction, if you're bound to fear, if you're doubting that God can move in your life like he does others, there's an altar. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person if you come and kneel at the altar. But this altar is there for us to lay down anything negative that we are holding inside of us or we want God to break any chains. Just give it and surrender to God. That's what the altar is for. Lay it at the altar and praise God. So let's pray tonight and let's just take a few moments. I know it's longer than normal, but I really want to surrender all and God to work through me so he can use me to reach others. In Jesus' name. Lord, I want to thank you for, God, everything that you do. God, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, God, for your power being known in our lives. Thank you for teaching us and instructing us through your word, God. God, your word is power, God. It's our weapon against the enemy, God. It's our firm foundation, Lord. It's a blanket that covers us, and God, that loves on us, God. Your word, God, covers everything, God, that we need, God, that we desire, and that we face, God. I praise you, and I worship you, God. I pray for my church family tonight, Lord. God, there's anyone here, God, is grieving, God those who are hurting who are sick god for those who are bound god god i pray for freedom god i pray for peace and joy and god i pray that your spirit god will fill the temple god let it fill their temple tonight god thank you lord for what you're doing set us on fire for you lord in jesus name thank you lord i praise you lord thank you jesus bring your favorite coffee cup, I'll have coffee and all the goody, fruity stuff to go into our coffee. And come for a cup of coffee and some encouragement, so 10 to 11, this Saturday morning at KCA. And uh, remember, Pastor and all those who are traveling, and those who are in competition, Bible quizzing, sorry, Bible quizzing, let's pray uh, for those as safe travels back home so you guys are dismissed and be blessed in the lord in jesus name